This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Take you back to eighteen nineteen, uh, Jimmy, and let, let's go. Let's go back to after that Ipswich game. First of all, I mean, did you have any idea what was coming at the end at the end of that Ipswich game? Did, did you have any idea what the what the next three months of your life were going to look like? Not at all. Not at all. So, and, and it, this will be um, obviously you know you know Darren very well. You know, and, and, and people that don't know him as well, as well as you and I, this is a, a testament to Darren's character. So. Normal, norm, normality at the end of the end of the game. You go into the change room, debrief the players. The players, the staff are going to the management office. A little bit of food on, crack a bottle of beer open. The opposition staff will come in. You'll chew the fat for 10, 15 minutes before they jump on the bus and go. So, I was in there with Nick Davis in in our office. Um, Graham Jones is in there. Wayne Jacobs is in there. Darren was doing the press. A little bit longer than than norm, normal, but Darren can talk as as we all know. So Darren came. Darren came. Back into the into, into the room, I was in there another couple of minutes, and then there was a knock on the door, and, and somebody requested that Graham Jones and, and Wayne Jacobs went and, went upstairs to see, see Mark Jenkins. So I had no no idea what was going on, you know, no idea whatsoever. Darren was in there, and the normal thing and the normal the normal chit chat between between coaching staff, and you know, like what he did today, etc. etc. Et I then have a I then get called out of the room about five minutes later and said, look. Give it two minutes. We're in two minutes' time. Kenny got upset and see Mark Jenkins. So, again, like totally oblivious to anything that was going on. There was no real pressures. I think we were, well, we're not, I don't think we were fourth in the league. We just drew at home. Had we picked up as many points as we, as we thought we would do? No. Had we been as successful as, as we wanted to be? No. But, you know, no real danger of us trip, dropping out of the playoffs, in, in, in my humble opinion. So, left Darren in the room. Um, I went up the stairs at the Hawthorns and as I, as I was going up the stairs, Graham and Wayne were coming down the stairs and they walked past me and as I walked past them, I looked at them and there was no, 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 no messages, no, no, I can't, can't. I went about 10 steps forward up the stairs and then Wayne Jacob said to me, he went, keep your cool. I was like, 
I don't have a clue. Anyway, go into the, into an office, Mark Jenkins, Luke Dowling, technical director, and, and Ken was in the room. Um, and before me, bum could, could eat the, the seat to sit down, they informed me that, that Darren had been relieved of his duties and, and Graham and, and Wayne were, were going to go also. And it was going to fall on my shoulders to be caretaker manager. So, you know, it was met with total shock, you know, and probably the, the, the greatest shock on, on, on my friends being relieved of, you know, losing their job effectively. Not the shock that is going to be thrusted upon me to, to be caretaker, you know, manager at the time for one game against, against Swansea City. So, yeah, to answer your question, Chris, like, no, no idea whatsoever. Um, I then later that evening speak to Darren, um, Graham and, and Wayne independently on, on a phone call. And when Darren came back into the room after, after doing his press, he'd already, already been sacked, you know. So, as I said, like, you know, testament to his character and his professional and his personality that, you know, he didn't, he didn't let, let off to anybody. He came in and, you know, and, and debriefed and showed the respect to, to the opposition management team, you know, as he would normally do. Um, so yeah, that was, that was how I learned that those three, those three members of staff had been relieved of the duty and, and I was going to be caretaker manager. I think you've said in the past that um, Darren was highly supportive of you moving into that role. How big a difference does uh, does does that does that make to you? Because I, I mean, I've worked at the club when I've seen um, somebody relieved of their duties and uh, and somebody very close to them have to step in. I saw it with, uh, with when Brian Robson was relieved of his duties and Nigel Pearson stepped into the breach and and how hard that was for Nigel when somebody so close to him had been relieved of his duties. And I imagine having having Darren's blessing almost makes a big difference in that moment, doesn't it? One hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've said this many a time. If, if I was in a financial position that I'd have been able to say I'm walking with them as well. You know, I'm, I'm part of Darren's staff. Darren's the one that promoted me from from academy to first team. I'd, I'd have gone, you know, the financial circumstances. I've got a wife and, and, and three kids and a mortgage to pay. You know, I, I couldn't afford to do that. Um, you know, and it was, it was probably less than less than two hours of, of me, me getting that information. You know, Maura was on the phone and said, look, listen, just crack on and do it. You know, you've got an opportunity now to show people that you're a good coach. Um, you know, you've, 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 you, have, you have my full support. And as you said, I've, I've said it plenty of time that the, the first message of, of wishing me luck before a game, in all 12 games, by the way, every game, and the first person to give me a thumb up um, at the end of the game or a little message was Darren Moore, you know. So, yeah, it was, it, it helped obviously massively for, for me to, to do that role. Um, as I said, you know, the, the, the first information was it was for the Swansea game. So, you know, I think everybody envisaged it just being that one game and the football club would have had a had a plan on, on who they were going to bring in to replace Darren. Obviously, it transpired that maybe the decision, and I don't know, this was a little bit knee jerk, and and there was no real planning on, on on what the next step would be once they relieved Darren of his duties. How difficult was that period? Because I think that there was there was a month pretty much of of complete and utter uncertainty whilst we got linked with multiple different managers. I mean, I think we, we, we were even supposed to be like talking to Alex Neal on the morning that we were playing his team um, uh, and, and all these sorts of crazy, there were certainly heavy links that he was going to be the next West Brom manager whilst you're preparing your team to face his team. And it's, it, it, it wasn't until I think maybe was it, was it the whole game where you were finally confirmed to be taking the job till the end of the season, it, it was a good five weeks. How how difficult does that uncertainty make it for you? I was I was assured that I would stay in my role. So you know, from from that that stability of understanding that whoever walked in the door, you know, I would still have a job and and still be employed. So 
and still be able to pay the bills. So that was easy for me. I think I think the the the, the thing that was difficult was for the players. You know, the, the players didn't know, you know, at any stage who was coming in and what what stage we were coming in. And every time I got answered the question, asked the question, sorry to to the press, I was told the answer. You know, it's next game, game by game. That, that's all it is. So the uncertainty, I think, I think probably it didn't help the players a great deal. Um, in saying that, they were you know they were ultra professional throughout my time. Whether, whether I'd done that, done it for a game and prepared them just for the Swansea game or all twelve as I did, you know they were they were brilliant, brilliant with me. They were fully committed, um, you know, and, and because the way that the way that we worked over the the previous I don't know what it was eight months for that season, you know, I wouldn't have changed the the, the, the workings of, of our day to day work on the grass too drastically. No, so they were they were familiar with me as a coach. I was familiar with them as a group of players and. You know, that, that transition was quite easy. But yeah, I think there was, you know, for the fan base as well, that uncertainty wasn't wasn't healthy for, you know, for, for a large period of time. How challenging is that role? Because I remember, I won't name this person, but a, 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 somebody who did interim management for, for a club um, once said to me that it's okay for a period of time because, uh, because you know, you're going from being that guy who was always the conduit between them and the manager, the one that they go to to moan about the manager a lot of the time and, and they've, they've got a good relationship with you. But the longer you go on as the, uh, as, as the interim manager you have to become the one who drops them or does and tells them they're not playing and 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 that that can be that can be really really that can be really really challenging obviously for you it was 12 games which is incredibly long for to to be filling a role um normally you know you're looking at three four five games normally maximum to uh, to fill a role but you did it for 12 games did you find that uh, that it became a challenge from uh, almost where you've got to become the bad guy at some point I think it's part of part part of football that you know you're gonna have to disappoint people and um you know I would would have been in the process obviously it would have fell on Darren's responsibility and shoulders to inform the players but I'd have been in the process on team selection so I think the players would, would be fully aware that when we're, we're selecting teams and we're selecting squads that as a group of staff, we, we're all, all part of that process. The only difference, as you quite rightly said, is it falls on your shoulders to, to be that bad cop or to be the, the person they don't like maybe for 24 hours. But for me, Chris, no different to doing it under 18, under 23 level. I think, you know, as long as you're honest and open with people and you have that clear communication and it's a two-way thing, I think listen, there's always going to be disappointment. But as long as you do it in a respectful manner, I think the players respect that. So I would have had, you know, some sticky conversations and, you know, and, and had to say to people, listen, we've got a three game week this week and, you know, you, you're not going to be involved in this one on, on Tuesday or Wednesday night. You're not going to be involved on this, this one on Saturday. These are the reason, reasons, reasons being. And I think as long as you, as long as you've got a re- reasoning behind it, whether they agree with it or not, I think they respect that. And, you know, one of the ones would have been James Morrison. You know, I would have had to bring Mozart into a room and say, Mozart, you're not, you're not playing, but, your plans are to play in this game. Is a Brentford game, ironically, playing the game against Brentford because I'm, if I'm sitting in charge, I'm thinking about going with this formation, this shape. Um, you know, so you have to have those difficult conversations. Uh, just, I think it's just the way that you you address the player and, and the respect you give to the player will, will make that easier for them to swallow or not. Well, I want to mention that Brentford game quite specifically because I was in the stands at that Brentford game and I think you caught us all out because I don't think any of us expected Carl Edwards to start and then he goes and runs through their whole defence. Uh, I mean, what what was your what was your thinking in the week before that? Because there'd been 
I think it's very rare. It's very rare that a player starts for your club and you don't get anything close to a sniff of it. Um, that, that that somebody comes into the side and there's not been rumours or anything, but there was nothing. And then, bam, Kyle's on the team sheet and then he does that. And I mean, first of all, it must be amazingly rewarding for you. But what was the what was the thought process going into the, going into that? I think, I think what I said to you previously, talent, opportunity, you know, so bags and bags of talent. Um, we wanted to play a certain shape in a certain system. So they played they played a back three. So we ended up playing, a, we, we attempted to play 4-3-2-1. Um, so to play with two two number tens behind 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 the number nine and and Carl fitted perfectly into into those plans and he was just the right player for that position at the right time and unfortunately you know he he went on the pitch and and performed so there was me me knowing his talent as a as a as an academy graduate me seeing his talent day in day out on the grass and you know and, and discussing with Jamie and Jamie Smith and saying look listen he he suits that role probably better than anybody else in the first team squad. It's a slightly different formation. We're asking them to do slightly different things in and out of possession than, than, norm, than, than we would normally do. Or they would previously been used to under, under, under Darren's time at the football club as well. And he fitted it. So it's just a case of me showing a, a set of balls, really, and, and giving him that opportunity. And, and again, you know, to, the thing you said about the, the, the previous gentleman who was an interim manager, when you're going game by game, I think you can afford to make those risky decisions as well. You know, because if Cole would have had, had an absolute beast and I've left that a senior player on the bench, you know, everything's going to come, come, come back, come back to, to potentially bite me on the arse. But when I'm thinking, I think we had an international break after that game. When I'm thinking, this is, this is going to be the, the last one, you know, I'll give Cole the opportunity because he deserves it. So, unfortunately, on that date, paid off and, and, and quite rightly so. You know, he, he scored an unbelievable, you know, unbelievable moment of individual brilliance to, to get, us the, get us the goal and, and get us three points on that day. I think as well, that was the first time that I'd really heard the Albion fans en masse really sing your name at the end of the game. I mean, I, I don't think any of us... It wasn't very kind, was it? Uh, well, I mean, you know, uh, it, 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 it was accurate. <laughs> <laughs> but um, genuinely, I mean, I don't think any of us, me and Pete, will never, ever experience what it's like to have 5,000 people sing our names. Well, not in any positive sense anyway. But um, <laughs> I mean, what? how special is that? I, I mean, that must that must feel a little bit like, you know, wow, I've kind of almost I've made it a little bit here. Yeah. I, I guess I guess when I, when I reflect on the, the time, and obviously West Brom's a massive football club, you know, you, you go from nobody knowing you to, and I'm a local lad, to a lot of people knowing you and people that shouldn't really know you, know you, you know. And, and I, obviously when when you when, when the success behind it as well, and you and you're doing well, and they want people want you to do well, it is a nice feeling. I don't care what anybody says, you know, and you know, and to have that 15 minutes of fame, and I'm hoping there'll be another 15 minutes at some some stage of my career. It was it, listen. I'm, it was nice. It, it was it was nice to be noticed for for for, for the work and the graft that that you've, you've done. And you know, it, up until that point, I think I've been coaching twenty one years. So it was like you know, seventeen, eighteen year apprenticeship to get to that one moment for people. You know, for people to appreciate your, your hard work and and your and your commitment. So yeah, I, I, I certainly did enjoy it. Not too much the um, Jimmy Shannon's got no hair, but yeah, no, I I I enjoyed it all the, all the same. 
Yeah, no, but to be fair, you didn't show up in a wig the next uh, the next game to prove. <laughs> so I mean, you know, that's uh, that's that, that's all good. But I mean, just as well, obviously, Jimmy, and you know, you did a fantastic job. But you had some great people around you as well. I mean, how much autonomy did you get over bringing in the support staff that 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 you had? How much say did you have in in bringing in the people that that you had around you? Because I think you had. Um, uh, Jamie Smith, Dion, and then a little bit later, it was Appy and Stephen Reed, wasn't it? Came in, so you know. And how big a difference did they all make? The big difference, I think. I think the immediate one was so once once I heard the news after that Ipswich game, it was on the phone to Jamie and Jamie, you've got to step up with me. We've got a game on Tuesday against Swansea. We've got to go to the club tomorrow and prepare for this Swansea game. He's stepping up with me, so I think that's the nat- the natural response, isn't it? You know, that somebody within the football club get the take charge of it and it normally falls upon the under 23 coach under 18 staff academy manager you know the people that know the football clubs to step up for that for, for whatever period of time it's going to be the biggest thing for me with, with Jamie in particular was he knew me he, he knew my personality he knew when to leave me alone he knew when to come and speak to me um you know he knew the way that my brain worked in terms of you know from a from a football perspective he, so he, it was it was perfect Dion was a big aid as well because you know all my all my career as working professional football has been as a coach. You know I wasn't fortunate enough to to make the grade as a footballer. So to have two people that know changing rooms, know know the smell and the sniff of the changing room as well was really important. And that's why Dion came in around it as well. And you know just that extra member of staff on a match day warm up that he could take the set of forwards off and do a little bit of finishing, a little bit of specifics before before maybe speak to Dwight Gale or Jay Rodriguez. Just from a centre forward's perspective, on things that he's things that he's observing from the, from the stands, it was invaluable. I think the timing when you said about the Alex Neal thing, I had a phone call the day after we played Preston. So the day after we played Preston on Sky Sports, it was announced that Alex Neal had signed a new contract at Preston. Um, so I think those rumours and those you know those suspicions that Alex was going to be next manager, I, I think it was that close. Um, so almost within like five minutes of that being announced on Sky Sports. I had a phone call from the football club saying we want you to take the caretaker role to the end of the season. It was after that game. And then as we started probably two or three games before the playoffs, so the last two or three games of the season, um, it was Mark Jenkins and, and Luke Dowling said to me, look, listen, you know, you're going to go into territory where you've never been before in terms of the playoffs. Do you think, it, do you think it'd be wise to have people around you with a bit more experience or people who have experienced as a player? Or people have got a bit more on their on their on their coaching CV or managerial CV as you. If I'm honest with you, Chris, at that moment in time, I was more than happy to work under the group dynamics that we had. So I thought it was working, you know. And the stats that you you say to me there, you know, we were successful with it. You know, we had a a good way of working on the grass with the players. Um, I didn't think it needed to be touched. And then the football club gave me some names. Now Stephen was a player when when I was under 18, coach and. Reedy was doing his B licence would come across to the, to the academy players. I'd kept in touch with Reedy, not on a regular basis, but I kept in touch with Reedy when he left the club. He's a person that I've got a lot of time and respect for. You know, I like him as an individual first and foremost. So when Steve Stephen Stephen Reed came into the football club, he actually was he actually enhanced what we were doing. So he enabled me to take a step back and maybe Jamie and and Stephen Stephen Reed did the technical stuff before the tactical stuff. So that was was a big aid. And then as, as we progressed another two or three weeks, I think, or another, another two or three days, should I say, sorry, from Stephen coming in, it was Michael Apperton um, and then somebody Luke Dowling, Dowling knew, to come in and, and be that person who would be 
emotionally detached, but have have a you know a calming influence on on us as as, as a coaching staff. You know, I'd, I'd speak to to Michael probably four or five times throughout throughout a season, and that's why I went with Happy, and I went with you know two people that already knew. And I, again, I think that's important that you've got people that would understand my personality, understanding the way that I want to do things, and I most definitely those those two people at that period in time were a big age you know we were able to to spread the working loaders of stuff across you know across four or five people as, as, as opposed to two or three just looking at those results over when i when i went through them uh, and it was kind of like a little bit of a walk down memory lane for me it made me think wow like the mentality of the players and how uh, and how many games they really really went to went to war for you when when you actually look back at the results so hull at home you know, we came back again and again and again and, uh, and won it late on. Rotherham, we got pegged back and went uh, went on and uh, and won it. Birmingham, we didn't give up. We kept going again and again and again and won the game. And to be honest, even one of the ones that you lost, Bristol City, 3-0 down at half time, they still pulled two back and could have equalised late doors. It seemed like the mentality that the, the, the players and the way they bought into what you asked of them in that period of twelve games was phenomenal. Yeah, and I, th- I think I think the group I think that group got a little bit of unnecessary criticism from 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 some people at some stage during that season. That that group were, were a fantastic group. They were they were highly committed to the way that Darren wanted to work, and and they were highly committed to the way that I wanted to work. And you know, us as non-professional footballers, you know, you'd almost say that's a given. You're you're professional, um, and that's what they should be. So. You know, it should have been should be no surprise that they work hard and and they and they try to apply themselves and they try to adopt your, your your tactical message and your tactical influences from the side of the pitch. They were they were just a good group and you know they were just highly professional and and of course like all individuals you know elite individuals they were winners. You know I think there was a there was a period of time that we actually there was actually a few whispers from a few senior members uh, a few senior players. Um, that they actually thought we could go go on and get automatic promotion and, and win all ten games. Now, once when they looked at the list of the games and the opportunity that we had and and what we had in the building, there was a you know there was a, a belief that we could go on and win ten out of ten. And on reflection, me looking back at the games and looking at the games that we lost, and in the nature of which we lost them, I, I think you, you'd know better than me. And and and, and, and the Stato Cove definitely would know. I think if we would have won all ten, I think we would have, would have snuck in automatic. I think. I yeah. think we would have. I think we would have gone up, and you, you look. We could, it, we could still go up until the Reading game. The, it was the Reading draw that meant mathematically we were out of it, and then, uh, and then obviously, um, had had we beaten had we beaten Derby, um, so yeah, if we took six points from those uh, those two games, yeah, we'd have been there or thereabouts. And, and, and again, I think that's credit to credit 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 to the players. And you know, when you look back at things and you reflect on things, and you look at the game, and that's like the nature of the opposition and the nature of the games. I actually think we were. We were three 0 down after ninety minutes at Bristol City, and all I wanted to, to happen was for, was for the earth to open up and swallow me. You know, it was a it was a horrible position to be in because I actually think when we were three 0 down, we we were playing well, and then we tweaked formation and and and, and system at, at half time and grew back into the game. And as you said, we got two goals, and I think Kieran Gibbs had a header late on that that we could have scored and equalised. And there were there were there were most definitely moments within the games that we didn't pick up maximum points or the. the they lose three games, three games, and, and drew one game. You know, I mean, Jimmy, can I just ask you on that Bristol City game when you're really down at half time? Uh, what 
is that you that picks yourself up? Is it the people? Is it the people around you? What 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 happens in the moment? Because I, I can I'd, I'd be a hundred percent the same if I if if my if my team had gone three nil down in in a game like that, I'd probably be thinking, oh god, what am I going to do here? You know, I, I almost wish I was anywhere else. Is that you that picks yourself up, or is that the good people you've got around you that do it? Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely the team that you've got around you, and um, you know, and, and also. You know, I said I said the word earlier about being consistent, having that consistency. You have to be consistent with yourself and your message. You know, if I'd have gone in there and just ranted, it would have been wouldn't have been constructive. I actually think the nature of our performance and and we had some we had a couple of good chances in the first half at three 0 down as well. Um, you know, we had some good moments, some, some some good spells of possession and created some good chances. So it was a case of me showing the players the good stuff that they'd done. I think if you reflect back on the goals that we conceded. There was a couple of mistakes, you know, some some real obvious mistakes in, in those goals. It wasn't like we were outplayed or we were expansive and wide open and, you know, and, and being hurt tactically. So again, again, it's evaluating that. And listen, we've had some really good chances. We've, we've conceded three sloppy goals, but then having a plan on, on how we're going to try and get into the game. And, and that plan was going from a back four to a back three. Um, playing with high expansive wing backs and and just trying to trying to tweak the shape. And and obviously on, on that day, you know, we won the second half 2 0. And from a, from a tactical aspect, you know, it proved to be a success. Um, but maybe the nature of, as you said, like the support team on my, my, me to Jamie, Jamie, what are your thoughts? And, you know, if Jamie had said something totally different to what my eyes and what my brain's thinking, then maybe alarm bells would have, would have rang and, and maybe I'd have, I would have gone in at half time and, and not been constructive with my information and, and, and the way that I wanted to approach it. But Jamie's eyes, we're in the game. You know, we've conceded two free goals, if you like or two goals from two real poor mistakes, but we've created chances. Um, then my, you know, my relationship with Jamie, I'm thinking about going to a back three, write it down on the pad, see what, you, see what your thoughts are, what do you think? This is my rationale. And then Jamie to detach himself from the touchline and go, yeah, I think we should do it. And then, you know, going together as a, as a staff and, and, and deliver that tactical change and that message. So, um, yeah, I think, I think, I think experience well, Chris, you know, albeit under 18, under 23, 11, I've said this plenty of time before, I've been in situations where we've been outplayed or we've been down by two or three goals. I've been in those situations and I've, I, I have those experiences. I'm going in at half time and making positive improvements and a, a positive, positive changes, regardless of, you know, being the championship or under 18, it's having the experiences and, and relying back on those past experiences that, that help you in, in those situations. I want to finish up on the playoffs in just a moment, but before I do, just one question on earlier in that season, obviously, before you took the job, a, a, a huge part of that season was the performances of Harvey Barnes. If he had stayed, would do you think things would have been markedly different? And how close was he to staying for the whole season? The recruitment of Harvey Barnes, when he walked through the door, I didn't have a clue who he was. So he, he came, I think he came and met the squid, played Barnsley in a pre-season friendly. And I'd never met the kid before. And I'll give you my, my, honest, my honest opinion at that moment in time. As he walked through, I looked at him and thought, you're another kid. We've, we've got Jonathan Leeco and Colin Edwards. We're bringing in a kid from Leicester who's going who's gonna to block up the pathway of plays that, that we know. That was my, I didn't say it to Darren. Um, that was my initial feeling. And then when he went on the pitch at Barnes, he's like, whoa, we've got to play here. You know, and, and Harvey, was, Harvey was key, wasn't he? He was key to everything that we did because he'd be able to isolate people 1v1. He'd get you down the pitch with his, his, his ability to carry the ball and, and go past people. He'd contribute with, with key goals at key moments. You know, he was an exciting player, but the deal was was only ever to, to January, um, as, I, as I understood it, um, or he had a recall recall within it. 
because I think his performances warranted, you know, as an individual, him to be presented with the opportunities going back and, and, and competing for a starting place in the Premier League with, with Leicester City. And, you know, from, from him, from a personal point of view, he went back in his career. He's only done that, hasn't it? You know, it, 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 it's only gone from strength to strength. In terms of us retaining Harvey Barnes, did it make a difference? Absolutely, 100%. 100%. If Harvey Barnes, again, in my humble opinion, had stayed at the football club and you know, and seen the second half of the season out, I not only think that we'd have got promoted that year, I think Darren Moore potentially is still manager. You know, I, th- I think he's still, still at the football club and, you know, the, the vision that, that Darren had for the football club and his ideas of when we got to the, pre- the Premier League on how we would, would recruit um, was... was was, was quite exciting to be honest with you, Chris. And um, I think he played, yeah, played a massive, a massive part in not the season derailing. So I don't think it derailed, but you know, obviously we our form dipped them, and we didn't win games in, in in which probably we should have we should have maximised all three points. Sliding doors moments, mate. And I, I, I want to talk about an, uh, another one. Um, playoff semi final first leg. Does that referee get a Christmas card off you anytime soon? Not at all. Not at all. I'm still. I, I, I still, I still think about those games and you know, and and, and play those those moments back in it. I, I don't get it. I just, I, I don't, I don't get it. Can you do any more as a manager? Because it, it, I mean, ultimately, it's a dodgy penalty and the most ludicrous sending off I've ever seen in my life. As uh, do you feel utterly powerless as a manager in those moments? Yeah, it's 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 that moment where you you know it's, you you have to again you have to you have to go back to what you've spoke about on courses and enemy people and. You know, you can't control you can't control the non-controllables, and, and that is an uncontrollable. The decision's been made. There's nothing I can say or do is going to challenge it or override it. It's been done, and then it's that ability then to, to think quickly and, and try and problem solve on what you're going to do when you're at Villa Park and you you know you, and, you, and you're down to ten men. How are you going to stay within the game? You know, I've got players looking at me and, and putting fingers up, and I don't know I don't know what they're trying to gesture to me, but we've obviously got to amend our, our shakes or we're a play down. So powerless, yeah, frustrated, yes. Um, but you have to deal with what's in front of you, and you have to you have to think very very quickly. Because I mean, over the course of the uh, of the two games, um, well, over the course of the derby game, um, that game, and uh, and ultimately the, the second leg. I mean, you've lost Hal, you've lost Dwight, and then I mean, uh, Jay's absolutely out on his feet in the uh, in in the in the second leg as well. I mean, you've basically lost you, all your firepower. Yeah, and then not only that, we, we lose our penalty takers, don't we? So you know, I, I've been I'm 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 not blind to social media, and, and at, at that time I wanted to be, but a lot of criticism on you know, you've got defenders taking penalties. It was what it was, you know. That, that's what we had on the on the pitch. So we had Matty Phillips, who probably, in hindsight, Matty Phillips wouldn't wouldn't have played the first leg, but you don't want to miss Matty's quality and firepower and physicality in that first leg because of his injury and, and the amount of time he had to. To, to rehab and, and get back up to, to peak performance. So Matty had to come off in that game. Jay had to come off in the game. Obviously, Brunty was sent off in the game, penalty taker. Stefan Johansson come off injured within that game as well. Yeah, so it, it, was, it was a case of when you're down to 10 men and you've got the, the, the game changers, because Stefan Johansson, in my opinion, at that moment in time, was a game changer with his ability to, to find a pass to break the last line and be creative. You know, you, it, you just find he's finding ways to try and stay in the game as long as you possibly can. You know, in the eventuality, just just to take it to penalties, and and that that was the thinking. It was, you know, not not trying to win the game at any stage when 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 Chris was sent off, or when we had to make those substitutions. It was about trying to stay in the game, and if we could, on a turnover in possession, give him a punch and an opportunity, or Jonathan Lee goes give away from somebody, and the pitch opened up, 
you know, that was that was more more in hope than anything else because of of what we had on the pitch at that moment in time. Well, before I just hand you over to Pete, just a, just a quick one on Jonathan Leacote. Do you do you go back to that moment where that corner breaks down in the last minute and and Johnny Leacote's running running away? And do you, even when you watch it back now, do you still scream, "Just run, man"? Because that's what I was screaming from the Birmingham Road. And what, I'll never know why he checks. I will never to this day know why he checks. I don't think he would know either. You know, just a, probably another another, John, another Jonathan moment. You see, you see, we go back to the Carl Edwards one about the Brentford. If Jonathan Leco, so Jonathan Leco was 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 out injured as well and and wasn't up to to, to match speed and match tempo. Jonathan Leco in the preparation for those two games was outstanding in training. If Jonathan if Jonathan Leco was fit, I think I might have started him second leg. You know, at home he was absolutely in training. He was the Jonathan that. You'd have seen moments when you know when you were you're talking with the football club and you'd have gone out and watched first team training and been wowed by him. Jonathan Jonathan Leco was that so, you know maybe maybe a, a reason on him on him doing that was just run out of steam and you know and, and physically he was he was nowhere near up to up to speed at that moment in time. Going back to the um, the Villa game when it did go to penalties, how much of an influence as the manager do you have in them? At that at that that stage. Not a great deal. I mean, we we prepped and we practiced and we done our due diligence on on what maybe their penalty takers would like and where they would go. And you know that was goalkeeper coach Gary Walsh with with, with Sam and you know they've done their due diligence there. We'd practiced, but we'd practiced with Matty Phillips, Chris Brunt, Jay Rodriguez, and Stephanie Hansen taking a penalty, none of which were available. Um, you know, so at that moment in time, there was a little bit of a scramble. I just, I just. I've just read a piece on, on Twitter about the difference between uh, Tuchel and Klopp yesterday in, in the in the penalty shootout. I know they handled it and, and their approach. I haven't read it properly yet, so I'll, I'll, I'll go back and do a little bit of studying on that. But I was probably more like um, Thomas Tuchel, and they showed a little article on social media of Gareth Southgate. It was who wants one, you know. Where, whereas if the players that weren't available to set the players were on the pitch, it would have been right then order boom, 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 and I think maybe. The message from me prior to the penalty shirt would have had a bit more clarity and there would have been, you know, bang, bang, bang. And those players have more time to be mentally prepared. Right, I'm, I'm penalty taking number three. Right, got it. No problem at all. Practice it yesterday. Practice it three days ago. I know where I'm going. I know what I'm doing. But it was a case of who wants one? You know, and at that moment, I, I didn't I didn't feel it was particularly, would have been particularly right for me to go, you're one, you're two, you're three, or you're taking one. It was who wants one? and and pretty much it was, you know, the, the lads who put the hand were the, were the ones who, who took the penalties on, on, on that night. I've, I mean, maybe I'm obviously horrendously biased um, and, I, and I always will be, but I'd like your take on this, given that you've had time to, to reflect away from the football club. I've always felt we were the better team over the two legs. What do you think? At Villa Park, we went with a, with, a, with a game plan, Chris, to try and strip their strengths. So in particular, Jack, Jack Grealish, you know, we, in, in the game at Villa Park, I'm not blowing smoke or bum. I think tactically we were fantastic, we were superb. There were there were moments where Jack's dropping that that deep. He's, he's receiving a five ten yard pass from Tyrone Tyrone Mings, you know. So the game plan worked, and we obviously were looking to be a bit more transitional and, and to try and on a turnover go quickly and break quickly. The biggest regret for me. So do I think we were better over both legs? Villa probably had created more chances in, in the Villa part leg than, than we did, um, but that was evident on our game style and the way we were going to approach the game. And we knew we'd, 
we would concede territory and we knew they'd be in that territory of the pitch a lot. So it was us being resolute. So I think my game plan was executed to, you know, perfectly. The second leg at home, I think we had the better chances or we had the clear-cut chances. So the Jacob Murphy one, that was cleared off the line. That would have been game, set and match. Um, 11 v 11 at that stage as well, wasn't it? I think we had the better chances, but my biggest regret, Chris, was probably in the whole build-up to those two legs, I think my message tactically on the pitch was too negative, if I'm being honest with you. I think so much work went into the first leg on, as I said, stripping their strength. So McGinn playing in between the lines and running beyond. Jack Grittish receiving in those, those pockets of space. The two wide players, Tammy up top, you know, trying to, trying to strip them out of space and Grass has got to run in behind. I think there was too much focus on my tactical delivery on... We're gonna we're gonna be we're gonna deny more than we're gonna create and, and 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 dominate the game and control the game with the ball, and obviously we're we're a goal down. We'll go in second leg in front of our own fans. I don't think then in the in the time between the first leg and the second leg, I had enough time then to try and go the other way and right. We're behind this leg now. We need to be a bit more expansive. We need to get our press now 10, 15 yards yards hot of the pitch. So. From a tactical aspect, I think first leg got it spot on. Second leg, I wasn't happy with it. I thought we were 10, 15 yards too deep and, and probably didn't, didn't risk enough, if I'm, if I'm being perfectly honest with you. Is that partly because uh, m- m- mentality of the players and everything because you've been denied Dwight, who obviously was just insane that season? Yeah, but it's a, it's a, it's a massive blow, isn't it? You know, and you've got to, you've got to look elsewhere for, for your, for your goal contribution and, you know, and I'd said this many a time, you know, when, when Dwight would have his, and I say, he'd go through a dry patch, you know, maybe hit two games and three games where he'd not, not score or, you know, he wasn't scoring as freely as, as you'd want him to. It was Shane Longest for me. His work ethic and his desire to, to press from the front and to harass and, you know, a, a ball that would be a 50-50 ball, it'd, it'd make it 70-30 in your favour. You know, it, it, it'd get on the end of things and, it gives you so much more than, than just his quality in possession. His, his off-the-ball work work rate was outstanding and, and we missed that. And, and, and maybe, you know, as, as, I'm, as, I'm, as I'm talking to you now, I want us to be 10, 15 yards off the pitch. Dwight Gale as an individual definitely gives you that because he has got that Shane Long-esque mentality to go and rat and press and hunt. And, you know, it, if I asked him to press the, the whole back before he'd do it, he'd press full-back to centre-back to centre-back to full-back. You know, he had that that enthusiasm and that, and that energy to do so. So, yeah, he was a he was obviously a big blow and, and maybe, you know, psychologically, subconsciously, the, 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 the players knew that maybe we didn't have the same punch top end of the pitch because we were missing Dwight. What about the atmosphere that night? And, um, and what difference does an atmosphere like that make uh, make to a team because we can all throw uh, throw around the, the cliches of the the 12th man and uh, and uh, and it gives you an extra extra 5% or or whatever but in reality what what does having that kind of atmosphere bring to you in real terms you're right in what you say there chris with the, the cliche the 12th man you, you know but before i'd stepped up to that first team environment and been been in and around it you know because there did have been some games where the, the fans weren't perhaps happy with the performance happy with the, the brand of football and this that, that that transpires to the pitch you know that, that the frustration from a supporter can transpire into a player and that frustration can can take away from a player's performance it can be soul destroying as a as a member of staff on the side of the pitch that you support up behind you so on the other side of it that evening that atmosphere was and I've been in some big games as a supporter you know some big stadiums some big crowds some you know some some real key games for me 
on the side of the pitch. It was the most electric atmosphere noise I've ever, ever, ever heard. And, um, and most definitely the negative impact it can have when they're not behind. Oh, it's tenfold. You know, the positivity and the energy that you can, you, 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 you fuel off that is tenfold. So, um, it's massive and, you know, cliche. For me, it's not a cliche. I, I, I think your, your support and, you know, the ability of, of your fans to generate an atmosphere to be positive behind you, but then also to be intimidated for the opposition. I think it's priceless. It's absolutely priceless. And, and most definitely that aided us, you know, to have, have some success in, in, in getting to, you know, get into penalties and, and, and getting as, as deep in that tie as we possibly could with, with the resources that we had. Final question, because you've been extremely generous with you with your time, and uh, thank you so much for that. But just, how do you look back now on uh, on your time at, at the Albion, and, and equally sort of flipping that a little bit when you get approached by by Albion fans? I imagine it's quite a quite a fond reception that you, that you get when they talk to you about about that time. Yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed my whole journey at the club. You know, I went went there as a as a twenty seven year old you know coach that. Was, was implied to work with the under sevens to 16s and, and, and work with every single age group at the, the academy and then had the job to go and work, uh, you know, first team, the assistant manager for six games in the Premier League under Darren, you know, and then work on his, on his, on his first team staff and then become caretaker manager. So for me, it was, was, was a, a, a moment in my, in my career, in my life that will always look back fondly upon. And, and, and I can only use the word privilege. I was privileged to be part of the, the success and the journey of the football club in, in the time that was there. And yeah, when I do see West Brom fans, you know, it's, uh, it's nice to reminisce and, and it's nice to know, know that they were, um, they were appreciative of, of, of my time at the football club, not only, not only because of, because of their caretaker role, but you know, obviously working within the academy for, for, for so long and, 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 and bleeding plays through into, into the first team. Well, it's been a privilege to talk to you about it as as well, Jimmy, and thank you for that. And I'd just like to say to all the Albion fans out there, start the campaign now to get his name on that board, which has the names of all the managers who have managed our football club <laughs> at the Hawthorns in the East End, because he is not a caretaker manager. He is a West Bromwich Albion manager, 12 massive games, and the best win percentage of any manager in West Bromwich Albion history, lest we not forget that. So, Jimmy, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Top man. Pleasure, Chris. Thank you. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Albion have certainly been sharing the goals around this season. They're well into double figures now for different championship goal scorers. So why not take a leaf out of their book and do some sharing of your own with a McNuggets share box? Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? Our participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.